What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three lawyers who turn green when we're angry with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and The Incredible Hulk is without question the best MCU film to date. I'm Keith Baker, and I wish Ed Norton was here. And I'm Austin Terry, and as longtime listeners know, Keith hates Mark Ruffalo, so this is going to be a rough episode for him. On today's show, we are, of course, talking about the newest MCU Disney Plus show, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. It's been a weird few years, I think, for Marvel. I've certainly been having a fun time with Phase 4 and all the stuff post-Avengers Endgame, but it sounds like some people out there are kind of concerned with the direction things are going. I've always kind of took the stance of, you know, let's just have a good time. Let's be in the present. Let's enjoy the projects as they come out, and I'm sure a few years from now, things will start to piece together and make more sense. But I think the one downside for me, and I'm curious to get to you guys in a sec what you think, is just... I think it would have been nice if maybe they had spaced things out a little bit more when it came to the Disney Plus shows. I think the reason that you hear a lot of people are having like a Marvel fatigue is just because once they started doing shows like this and it's like, how many are there now? Like six, seven? In the span of two years. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a shame because I think whenever we do get good stuff, like at least for me and Miss Marvel, it still doesn't feel as important because you have stuff that sucked like Moon Knight, for example. But anyway, I just wanted to open it up with, it's been a weird road to get to She-Hulk. I'm glad we're here. You know, we're getting something different, but I still feel like if we had gotten less shows in the run-up, then maybe it would feel more special. I don't know. I'm curious to get to you guys. Like, what do you think about the current state of the MCU? Um, We haven't talked about a Disney Plus show in a while because we didn't cover Miss Marvel or Moon Knight. So let me know kind of your general thoughts. And then, of course, hit me with your non-spoiler thoughts on She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 1. Yeah, I think you're right about the Marvel fatigue that is definitely out there. I also see the most common complaint for our current MCU phase is that there just seems to be a lack of vision or something that we're building towards. I think that's why Kevin Feige and the Marvel team released their entire slate for the MCU at Comic-Con so that way they could show like, here's where we're going towards. We're going to be doing Secret Wars and that's why we're bringing all these new characters to the forefront so they can appear in that. And, And I'm glad we have that plan. But I remember initially when all these shows for Disney Plus were announced, there was that excitement of like, wow, there's going to be so much more content. But I think you're absolutely right. Having these back to back to back is just it's too much, Um, especially when they all haven't been hits. um, It feels like that burnout kind of increases even faster just because they're not fun to watch anymore. And that's kind of how I feel about the first episode of She-Hulk is I think this might be the worst premiere they've had so far. It felt like we were in the MCU phase one in the worst way where they just don't know what they want to do with these characters. I really don't know why Bruce Banner was in this. He seemed kind of pointless. The CGI was kind of rough. The comedy was rough. Nothing about this first episode worked for me. And I think it's it's bizarre that I've now seen the first episode of She-Hulk and I still don't know what the show is about. Like, if you asked me today, I couldn't tell you. So I was super underwhelmed at this premiere and and that's kind of where I'm at at the start of this episode. Yeah, I mean, going to answer your first question as far as the... um Marvel fatigue. Yeah, I definitely get that fatigue every now and then. I'm like, okay, what's what's coming out? What are they doing now? You know, I haven't I haven't watched the uh the Miss Marvel show yet. Uh haven't even finished Moon Knight yet. Um but to me, it seems like the ones I've liked the most have been the ones that are introducing new characters like Hawkeye. And then this one, I'm actually I I think I might be opposite on Austin. I actually really enjoyed this this episode. I enjoyed the comedy in it. It wasn't like the, I wouldn't say it was the funniest thing we've seen in in Marvel, but I have to say, I think, and I, th- I think I may have said this earlier, I have changed my mind on, on Mark Ruffalo. I do like Mark Ruffalo now. Wow. 
Who would have thought it would take She-Hulk to change your opinion? No, no, I think I changed it a while ago, but I, I, it wasn't it wasn't well established. So now I am officially announcing it. I do like Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner Hulk. Um, I enjoyed the action in this one. The story, I do agree with you, Doe Austin. I am kind of wondering where this is going to go. But overall, I enjoyed it. It was a quick episode, so not much to really break down too much. But uh, enjoyed the comedy, enjoyed the action, and just excited to see where it goes. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think I'm, de- I'm definitely closer to Keith. I don't, but I think I might be kind of right in the middle, just in general here, when it comes to my thoughts on She-Hulk. Like, like I kind of said, I think it's just the sheer amount of Disney Plus shows has really kind of, like you said, Austin, like it doesn't feel special anymore. So whenever you take that feeling away, I think it kind of forces us to maybe look a little bit more critical on the content because there is just so, so much of it now. It's crazy how many episodes we do about Marvel, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely getting that fatigue for sure, but I'm not at a point where I don't want to watch the content. Like, I'm still at least interested enough to check something out. And yeah, I, I, I'm pleasantly, I don't know, but I guess I wouldn't say surprised, but I enjoyed my time with She-Hulk. Like Keith said, it was just a super, you know, quick comedy. I appreciated that there was kind of fourth wall breaking elements, made it feel just a little bit different. I still don't think there's that much of a style here. It's kind of how I feel about a lot of the Marvel projects, particularly with Phase 4. I mean, we are getting stuff like Chloe Zhao doing Eternals, and that looks so much different. Like, there's just, like, a distinct style there. I, I kind of wish that more Marvel projects had that. And this, you know, it it has, like, that office fourth wall break element, like I said. But other than that, you know, it's just, it kind of looks the same as most of their other projects. But that being said, I really like Tatiana Maslany, and I like the character of Jennifer Walters. Like so far, for sure. So, yeah, I'm curious to stick around for the rest of the ride. It, it didn't blow me away by any means. Um, but yeah, I, I had a decently fun time with it. Since we are talking so much about the Disney Plus shows, where I mean, so far, where do you guys think you would put this premiere in the context of those shows? Because I already said for me, it's the worst one. So bottom of the list for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I guess it's hard to stack up because like I'm not thinking about like the WandaVision premiere or the Hawkeye premiere. I guess I'm just thinking about those shows as a whole. So it's hard to kind of stack up with with only having one episode here. I guess even though I liked it, I, I still feel. I guess I I don't know. I I I liked stuff like WandaVision, Hawkeye, Loki, all of those things more. So I guess it it would probably be lower on my list, but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. Yeah, it'd be a little bit lower on my list too. I feel like it was like I said, it was pretty quick. It feels like they didn't really lay out a lot in this one. Uh, so for that reason, I'll put a little bit lower. When this episode ended, it was like. Oh, that's it. We're already done. It, it felt kind of felt like we wasted time. Yeah, like I, I liked that it was short too. I'm definitely with Keith on that. Like it felt like, like I didn't like the show because it was short. I just felt like it went by at a good pace. I guess I should say. Um, but to your point, one reason why I think it would have been benefited from being a little bit longer is, and I think Austin, you kind of alluded to this. The show didn't really establish what kind of show it's going to be because this episode is really just Jennifer Walters' like complete origin story. Um, I, I'm not going to we don't need to drop the spoiler warning yet, but just, yeah, this first episode is, you know, we're introduced to the character and then we basically flash back and we figure out how she became She-Hulk in the first place. And that's where kind of Bruce Banner comes into the picture. And then once that story is done, we cut back to, I guess, what is the present day. And then it almost ends right after that. Like, it would have been interesting to find out, like, what is the episode by episode? Like, what is the show going to look like? Is it going to be? 
keeping these comedic elements, but you know, it's like a, a courtroom like drama every episode. Like, I don't know, because this episode was just about her hanging out with uh, Bruce Banner because they had to tell us her origin. And I'm, I'm glad they got that out of the way. But it does leave me feeling after episode one, like kind of like you said, Austin, I don't really know what to expect. I don't know what each individual episode is going to look like. I'm assuming it's going to be kind of like Law and Order-esque. Like it's just going to be like a new case comes through every week or something. But we just don't know yet. Yeah, I think that that was the biggest disappointment to me is that we didn't get a good understanding of because she's working on a case in this first episode. But I don't know what the case was about or who's on trial. I thought there was going to be a big reveal at the end of who was on trial. Um, and I felt like that was kind of a missed opportunity. It just felt like there wasn't very much substance for me in this first episode. All right. Well, how about we just go ahead and get to our conversation? And to do that, we have to go ahead and drop the spoiler warning. So if you're somebody that has not checked out She-Hulk, Attorney at Law over on Disney+, Plus, make sure you go watch that first episode and come on back. Or if you're somebody that doesn't really care about spoilers and... I don't know. I think we're kind of already at that point. There's not a whole lot to spoil here or something that you don't already know. So stick around. Let's have a good conversation. All right. Welcome to Spoiler Territory, everybody. As always, Austin and Keith, how about you guys start us off with the cast and crew side of things? All right, so She-Hulk is created and written by Jessica Gao, who is most well-known for producing and writing contributions on Silicon Valley and Rick and Morty. Uh, this first episode is directed by Kat Coro, and our score for the show is composed by Amy Doutry, and of course, based on She-Hulk by Stan Lee and John Buscema. And going into our cast, we have Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, Ginger Gonzaga as Nikki Ramos, Jamila Jamil as Titania, and we got Mark Ruffalo returning as Bruce Banner, Smart Hulk. And we still have several cast members that we haven't met yet. That includes Tim Roth returning as Emil Blonsky, Abomination, Benedict Wong as Wong, and Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, Daredevil. All right, guys, there's a cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably give a negative to the writing for this episode. Uh, like I said, the comedy <laughs> didn't work for me. The story I thought flowed very weirdly. Every joke with Bruce Banner was weird where he was like, yeah, Tony gave this to me. You know, Tony Stark. Ever heard of him? Gamma. <laughs> we, we can do stuff with Gamma. It's like, what is the point of this? We know all this information already. I guess for a highlight, I'll just give it to Tim Roth because I'm excited to see him and I want to know why he's in this show. That's the only reason I'm going to keep watching for the duration of this show. Oh, so there you go. I thought the writing sucked and I can't wait to see Tim Roth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I think that might be my favorite Austin like cast crew shout out. Yeah, I like I like the highlight for a guy who we haven't even seen yet. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna throw two shout outs to one Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. There you smart go. Hulk. I'm starting to really like Mark Ruffalo. I think he's funny as Hulk, especially whenever he's smart Hulk. Um, it's hilarious to me. And I'll shout out to Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters. She Hulk. I thought she would. I thought she played a pretty good part. I think she's gonna be fun. Uh, she's funny, kind of quirky, and I'm excited to see what she does like in the courtroom setting, too. I think it's going to be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely agree. I think my main shout-out is for sure Tatiana Maslany. I've always really liked her. I'm glad to see her in a big project like this. I think that's super cool. And yeah, I just really like her presence, I've, like you said, Keith. Super funny, super just a good vibe. I think quirky is a good word that you used. And I can't wait to see her in those courtroom scenes. I think there's going to be a lot of presence there because she's a great actress. So yeah, overall, she's definitely... My main shout out, which is is always good because she's the title character. So I'm glad I feel really good about her. 
And I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess I'll take a page from my friend Austin's book and say that another positive is I'm I just cannot wait to see more of not only Benedict Wong, of course, because I love him as Wong, but you guys know I'm a Daredevil super fan. So the fact that we're getting more Matt Murdock is always a big win for me. Cannot wait to see him pop up. Do you think they could potentially be going up against each other in the courtroom? That would be interesting. I mean, obviously, whenever they said he was in this show, my first thought is, oh, that's actually really cool because they're both lawyers by day, so to speak, and then superheroes. And then I guess in Daredevil's case, maybe more sometimes vigilante by night. So I don't know. I guess there could be a scenario where they're like representing different clients. She's a prosecutor and he's a defendant. So yeah, that's they true. could definitely go against each other. Yeah, but they also could cool. also because of their like literally exact same background, I could see, you know, them becoming really good friends, which would be cool to see. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I feel like I can picture, you know, Matt Murdock being told by uh, Karen Page or Foggy Nelson, like, hey, did you did you did you hear about Jennifer Walters like that up and coming hotshot lawyer that just in the middle of the courtroom turned into another Hulk? And he's like, what? Like, so I think that could be interesting to him. The fact that there's like another lawyer superhero. I'm surprised Austin beat me to it also. But before we leave the cast and crew, I mean, I have to say it's going to be a travesty that Tim Roth comes back and he won't be sharing scenes with Edward Norton, the the better Hulk. I know you guys both agree. Don't you mean the director, writer and producer of The Incredible Hulk? Oh, I do. You're right. <laughs> he is my favorite writer on that film. <laughs> I'm excited for Tim Roth, though. I've always loved him. And as you guys know, I know I, I make maybe I came off as crazy in our episode on The Incredible Hulk, but underrated villain, I think, Emil Blonsky. So isn't it also weird that he's been in jail this whole time for like doing the exact same thing Hulk has been doing as a member of the Avengers for like 15 years? Like Emil Blonsky didn't hurt anybody. He was doing his job. Then he became a Hulk-like thing and then he fought Hulk once and then they just threw him in jail. <laughs> I'm just glad me and my friend Matt agree that our highlight for episode one is Tim Roth as the abomination. I think I think he swayed me, Austin. He was my highlight, too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and just dive into more detail. Uh, let's get into our roundtable discussion here. We each brought a couple points that we wanted to hone in on a bit more. So who wants to start us off? Yeah. So I mentioned this at the top. Um, now that I've seen episode one of this show, I, I still don't fully understand what the series is supposed to be about. I get that it's, it's going to be a law show. But beyond that, I don't know what I don't know what the overarching plot is for this story. I think it's weird after a premiere that I still don't know that. So I want to know how you guys feel about that and, and if you kind of feel the same way as I do. Yeah, I think, like I mentioned earlier, um, I do definitely agree with you that they didn't really set this up in the greatest of ways. I think they definitely could have done her lawyer job and then maybe come to this later, maybe. Or maybe they should have started her off with Bruce driving and getting the game of blood and all that. It's just maybe the way it was structured, uh, flashback and jumping back and forth maybe wasn't the way to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Disney Plus shows, whether it be Marvel or Star Wars, a lot of them have done the thing where they drop more than one episode at once when it comes to the premiere. Like Obi-Wan just did that. They like dropped two, I think, if I remember right. I know some of the Marvel shows have done that. I wish they would have done that here. Maybe there's a reason scheduling-wise why they couldn't, but it would have been great to just have episode one where it's, it's essentially just Jennifer Walters' origin story. And then maybe episode two, now that that's out of the way, they could have actually showed us what to expect going forward in the show. I would have loved if they had done that personally. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you because we're only left with the one episode, which, like I said in non-spoilers, it starts with Jennifer Walters like into camera saying, I'm a Hulk, here's how. And then the, basically the entire episode is that origin story. 
and then it cuts back to the courtroom at the very end, but it's just maybe like a minute or two. So hard to say what the rest of the show is going to look like. I agree with you because of that and maybe some expectations going in. The structure and the pacing was a little bit weird, especially for like a 30 minute or even maybe shorter episode. Um, I still enjoyed it, but I can't argue with your point that it is unclear currently uh, what the rest of the show will look like. Yeah, the biggest thing I was wanting to understand by the time the credits uh, started on this show was what is her big case for the season? I thought for sure we would get that in the premiere. That, that's what I was looking forward to finding out. And so not finding that out, I, I found as a disappointment. I do think to your point, Matt, if they had dropped two at once, I probably wouldn't have that critique. But for a premiere episode, not knowing the story was a pretty big letdown for me. Yeah. And part of me thinks, like I said, it is going to be a law and order style. Like I think it's going to be a lot of cases. There might not be a lot of connective tissue between episodes. But I'm cool with that. I feel like the main story, the main attraction is just going to be Jennifer Walters having to keep doing her job while still, you know, coming to terms with being a Hulk. So I think that'll be enough for me personally. Um, and, and I like that element of the story that was set up in this premiere episode. I like the idea that Bruce Banner, for some reason, keeps saying, you're a superhero now. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't. What, is, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to be a superhero. <laughs> I just want to go back to my job that I like. And now I'm a Hulk as well. So there's a kind of a fun element to that whole story. So I think watching her come to terms with that and whatever her character arc ends up being, I think is going to be exciting to watch. At least I hope so. All right. Well, I know a lot of the Marvel projects, you know, whether it be something James Gunn is working on, Peyton Reed with the Ant-Man stuff, or of course, Taika Waititi that we just talked about with like Thor Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. There's always a big comedic undertone or some of those projects. They're just full-blown comedies. And, you know, I think when it, when we look at a lot of the Disney Plus shows, we've gotten a pretty wide variety, I would say. You know, WandaVision was its own thing that felt very different from something like Falcon and Winter Soldier, for example. And this one is, you know, a courtroom thing, like week to week episode. And obviously, comedy is a big part of it. So just wanted to ask you guys. I know, Austin, you kind of already said, but was it funny? What stood out? What did we laugh at? What made us giggle? All that fun stuff. I think the only thing that I thought was unique and, and got some chuckles out of me was the breaking the fourth wall stuff. It really only happened twice in this episode, but I, I thought it was used effectively to move us into the next part of the story each time. Uh, yeah, I mean, most of the comedy, I guess, worked for me. Some of the jokes did kind of fall flat. I definitely liked the, uh, like the, like the training montage scene when they're doing like yoga and meditating and all that. I thought that was funny. Some stuff that didn't work for me was, I think you mentioned earlier, Austin, the Tony like references. Tony gave this to me. You know, Tony Stark. <laughs> he was Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't understanding a lot of it. Like he was like, he was like, yeah, Tony and I built this bar together. Yeah, Tony gave me this place and said he might come back and like swoop it up or something. But then like he that. died during the events of Avengers Endgame. You know what this felt like? That Marvel thought this was going to be the show that someone who has never watched a single MCU thing like started with this for some reason. And so they felt like they had to explain who these characters were. Oh, it's like, we've been I... watching this for 15 years. Why are you telling me <laughs> Tony Stark when you said the name Tony? I know who you're talking about. Do you think Cap was a virgin? Oh, do you mean Steve Rogers, Captain America? He was actually <laughs> in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts explaining all the every origins single of character. every character. Oh, you mean uh, Falcon? Yeah, he came in and... <laughs> He's actually the new Captain America. The first one was in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on Loki. There's like three versions of him at this point. Yeah, he has a show on Disney+. Pl oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. Like I said, the training stuff was fun. My The standout moment, because Mark Ruffalo, I think, while 
probably more usually used as like a dramatic actor. I do find him quite funny. I liked whenever he was forcing her to transform and then she turns and like breaks that cage or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, <laughs> like thumbs up and stuff like that. <laughs> that was, was fun. Good. I liked her giving him the middle finger whenever he pushed her off that ledge or whatever. Uh, yeah. So there was tons of cute and funny moments. And I like the fourth wall breaking, too. I'm assuming the episodes that are going to come will have much more of that. I think they just used it sparingly because it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense in this flashback origin. But excited to see more of that. I did, you know, while I hear you guys when it comes to like the constant references, for sure, a lot of that was kind of egregious. I, I thought they there was a good balance of like drama as well with the comedy. Like, you know, hearing Jennifer Walters talk about kind of you know, her day-to-day life dealing with men, which is kind of why she's able to deal with anger better off the bat, I thought was interesting. I like that. Uh, Say with Bruce Banner and the Tony stuff, like, yes, while it was goofy, I did think it was kind of cute. And it, and, it, and it did kind of, I don't know, it fleshed out some of those moments that we never got to see on screen. Like, it was cool that uh, during, like, that five-year um, Thanos snap, like the blip or whatever, it, it's nice to know because we know Tony Stark was off in that cabin with his family and he had a daughter and he wasn't seeing people like Captain America or, you know, anybody else. Like he was not engaged with any of that. But it's nice to know that he was still seeing Bruce because they were always good friends. And it's cool whenever you whenever the episode was playing, I was thinking about the first Avengers movie. They first meet and Tony mentions wanting to help Bruce, like maybe cure the issue. And of course, you know, flash forward 10 years they would they were never able to cure it but it's cool that tony did help bruce kind of figure out how to become this smart hulk version so it's just nice knowing i mean we never got to see it, it would have been cool to see that but you know it kind of led to some fun little references and they wrote their initials when i guess whenever they got drunk at the bar one night so it was stupid but I, it was kind of cute too so i liked that there was a good balance between drama and comedy i i thought that was a little out of place just because when you think about tony and bruce's interaction in endgame they act like they haven't seen each other so it just it it doesn't fit with what we've already seen on screen. Like when, when they pull up in the sports car, they're like catching up because they haven't seen each other in like five mm-hmm. years. So it didn't okay. fit for me. Yeah. I guess I didn't remember that. Yeah. And I know we're not in our awards segment yet, but I, I do have a little throwaway award. I want to give out specifically regarding the comedy. And that's uh, the most out of place line of dialogue. And it's when she breaks out of that cage and out of nowhere, Bruce Banner as the Hulk goes, bruh. That was like a million dollars of damage back there. It's like, why are you talking like a surfer bro right now? That was weird. (laughs) Because he's in Mexico on the beach, dude. That's why. (laughs) There is. I've talked about it before. Like, Whenever they made Thor Ragnarok, I I love that movie and I love Taika, but he... That character was completely changed from being a character to just being Mark Ruffalo. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Mark Ruffalo strikes me as somebody that might throw a bra out there every now and then. So I guess they just let him do it here. <laughs> Matt, I know you touched on how they they talk about her experience with men, and that's why she can control her rage. Do you guys think they did a good enough job of justifying why she's so good at using her powers already? Because it was kind of weird seeing her juxtapose with Bruce Banner, who calls out many times he's been doing this for like 10 to 15 years, and he still has trouble controlling everything. And on day three, she's like good enough to reintegrate with society already. That jump felt very jarring to me. Of I, I get that she is a different Hulk than him and, and maybe, and their powers are different and she doesn't have the alter ego, but it still does feel very quick for her to be able to go back into society when she does still have this kind of raging monster inside of her. 
I mean, to me, it just felt like they, it was something they were setting up to explain later because it seemed like Bruce was, was confused by it too. He's like, what? It's like, how is this happening? Like, I guess I can just rip out this page out of my manual, which maybe goes back to what we were saying earlier, the fact that she kind of looks a little bit different than him. So maybe there's something different going on. Maybe they'll explain that later. I, I loved, you know, she's like, because it, 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 again, I already mentioned the first Avengers movie. It ties back to that whenever uh, Bruce says, you know, the line, like, I'm always angry. That's how I can you know, go back and forth, essentially. And I liked how she was like, you want to know how I can control my anger? It's because every fucking day I'm mansplained to, or it's just, I get catcalled, I think she says. So, I mean, it's just an awful, like, experience. So, yeah, I'm all good. I can control my anger. I do that every single day. I thought for sure they would also tie it back to her being a lawyer and having to make a good impression sure. on the jury and court and stuff, but that didn't come up at all. Yeah, I bet we'll get more of that. So like you said, Austin, I really like that element of the character. It made a whole lot of sense and certainly adheres you to her. Um, but yeah, it, it, that, that doesn't change the fact that it is still weird at the end where it's like, all right, going back into society after three days. So I definitely hear you when it comes to that point. Um it, again, like most of the things in this episode, it didn't bother me, but it did kind of stick out where it's like, oh, OK, I guess like, I don't know. Did it feel more of just like they couldn't get Mark Ruffalo to be in all of the episodes? So it was like they had to separate, if that makes sense. I'm glad they did. I don't want like the show to be about him, but it, it kind of just felt like, OK, our Mark Ruffalo episode is done. So now she has to go back to the main story, essentially. So I don't know. It, 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 I guess it worked and it didn't work in some cases. Yeah, so that kind of brings up a question I had, and we kind of touched on we kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, but you, yeah, do you think we're gonna get more insight to what Bruce has been up to lately since the events of Endgame? Do you think he's gonna come back at all in any of the episodes? Have they even announced that? Maybe something y'all know that I didn't read or anything. But what do you think is going on with old Bruce? It would be cool to see Mark Ruffalo's Hulk and Abomination interact because it was Edward Norton and the Incredible Hulk. So I hope we get that moment. Um, he does mention needing to look into that ship that ran them off the road. If I had to make a bet, I bet I would bet we would see him in at least two or, or three episodes of the entire show. And that ship, by the way, was clearly like a Thor Ragnarok ship. Like it was from that world. Because like the second I saw it, I was like, that looks very familiar. And I was like, maybe that was in Thor Ragnarok. And I looked it up, and it, it was. It was one of like Jeff Goldblum, like that that character's style of ship. So maybe somebody's coming to look for the Hulk and. Obviously, if that's the case, he would have to come back, I guess, if they're going to explore that. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm kind of with Austin. I, w I guarantee you he'll be in the final episode. Uh, they'll do like some, you know, they'll do a character arc and a journey over the course of the season. And then he'll come in at the end and comment on how, you know, like how great of a job she's been doing. Um, but, you know, we'll see if he comes back before then. I don't know. I, all I can really say is that I'm pretty sure that every single like trailer that came out for this show like every time we saw him in the trailer we saw that in this episode so i don't know if there'll be more we don't have any reason to think so um but we'll see i do think for the purpose of this show as much as i love mark ruffalo as the hulk i, I think if they want to really separate jennifer walters from him then he needs to be in less of the show i think it's important that we get a good nine episodes with jennifer walters coming into this character and, and learning a lot about her i think they need to do less is more for bruce banner in this one do you guys want some sort of like brief on what he's been up to since Endgame? Or do y'all really care? It sounds like he's just been drinking on the beach. I think he's an <laughs> alcoholic now. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what they do. Obviously, it's always been weird with the character of the Hulk because we only got one solo movie very early on with the Incredible Hulk. But it's the same thing with Spider-Man where Universal owns Hulk. So 
Disney and Marvel can't make like solo movies and Universal never made the same deal with Spider-Man where so- that Sony did. So they could make solo Spider-Man films. So I don't know. It's always been weird. Hulk like shows up every like few years. I mean, like you said, Keith, we never really find out what he's been up to. He's just there. I, I would I would love to know more about him. Maybe that like ship from Thor Ragnarok coming down is maybe them hinting at, oh, maybe they did like make some deal with Universal we don't know about. And like this is setting up like some interesting Hulk story. That that's will, what I think. Like, I think cool. that ship's going to come back in the later MCU project. Yeah. Like, maybe that's a tease to get him to the next movie. And that would be cool. Uh, because I'm definitely with you, Austin, that like this is She-Hulk, so they need to separate. I'm glad they did it by the end of the first episode. It would be cool to just have like maybe some throwaway scenes here and there. Like you said, it would be cool to see Mark Ruffalo uh, as the Hulk talk with Abomination because, you know, technically they've met before, but it would feel kind of cool and different. Uh, so I'd love to see that, but I don't need him in every episode because I want, I want to know her story and her journey. Do you think Emil Blonsky is going to comment on why Bruce Banner looks so different? Probably. Yeah, I, I guarantee it, <laughs> actually. <laughs> to that point, though, I mean, I am glad that we got this episode out of the way, like I said, but I, I do want to make sure I mentioned that I thought Tatiana Maslany and uh, Mark Ruffalo had good chemistry. So even though I want this show to be about her and he can kind of sit on the sidelines for, until like a later project, I, at least, you know, I thought they felt like cousins. Like they didn't feel like siblings, if that makes sense. Like they, they were definitely close, but they're, they felt more like friends, I guess, like, instead of like siblings. So I thought that the cousin angle of it made a lot of sense and was fun and they both played it super well and I liked their banter and back and forth so at least we got to see them together for like one episode because I enjoyed that all right guys well I think that's a lot of good talk about the first episode I know Austin you are a little bit down on it a lot down on it oh whoa sorry brother (laughs) 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 Keith and I were definitely higher on it but Let's go ahead and regardless, let's talk about the rest of the season. What do we want to see? I know we're still a little bit unclear on like what the structure of each episode is going to be. Um, but regardless of that, what are you hoping for? What do you want to see? What are your predictions? Hit me with all of it. Yeah, I think my biggest prediction is that Abomination is going to be on trial. Somehow Emil Blonsky convinces Matt Murdock to take his case and he is defending him and he's going up against Jennifer Walters in court. Since Emil Blonsky is in prison, I, I do think he will appear in the courtroom at some point. Um, I'm not sure how he's not Abomination anymore. It kind of felt like he was stuck in The Incredible Hulk. So I, I'm interested to see how they justify how he's like kind of back to human form now or, or if he's just Abomination. But we'll see. How funny would it be if he's like on appeal trial and they start bringing up stuff from the past and they do a flashback and it's just Ed Norton and him fighting. <laughs> 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 How weird it. would that be? I would love it. <laughs> or they've reshot the scenes to put in Mark Ruffalo. Or the other CGI Mark Ruffalo's face in on top of it. It Norton's. just looks terrible. <laughs> it's Ed Norton's body, but just Mark Ruffalo's face. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine anything that would upset Edward Norton more? But yeah, I'm hoping for that too, Austin. I hope we get a good trial with Blomsky. And then I want to see, I want to see uh, Daredevil come in. Murdoch. I think uh, I'm excited to see what they do with his character and how that plays out. I have a feeling him and her are not going to get along at the beginning, but then maybe they might come together towards the end. So for sure. That's the, that's the biggest thing I'm hoping for with this show is that Matt Murdock is more than a cameo. I want to see this kind of non-Netflix Disney Plus version of him, like how different is he going to feel, all of that. I, I hope he is not, not the second lead of the show, but I hope he is more than a cameo. I think he will be. I won't spoil anything, but I've heard like Tatiana Maslany and Jessica Gao talk about Charlie Cox, like in interviews, from what they're saying, it sounds like it's going to be a sizable role. So I'm excited about that. Honestly, like 
not even being hyperbolic. I mean, like you said earlier, Austin, like Kevin Feige announced, like what the I think next three years of Marvel is going to look like, including like Avengers Secret Wars, which is a huge deal. Tons of other movies, sequels, like literally the thing I am most excited for is Daredevil Born Again, the new uh, season that they're going to do on Disney Plus. Like love that show. Love Charlie Cox. Just can't wait to see that. I think that's the best The best decision they made was bringing him back and like just going all in. Like he's going to be in all these shows, his own show, all that fun stuff. So I think he's going to have a big role. So I'm excited about that. Obviously excited to see Abomination again. Tim Roth, where were you for the last 15 years? We needed you in every single MCU movie, if you ask me. Oh, that's not true. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm honestly excited. Like, I'm a, like I said a bunch of times, I'm assuming this show is going to kind of feel week to week when it comes to the stories they're telling. So I'm excited for like some kind of quirky, goofy, funny, weird characters in the MCU that might be superheroes, villains, or like like a lower level vigilante type people that Jennifer Walters has to represent in some fashion. Like that could be cool. Um, I also feel like they're going to try and do some maybe surprising cameos in there. Like how crazy would it be if like John Bernthal's The Punisher popped up because he needs representation or like... But I think she'd be prosecuting all these people. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, potentially. Like Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones coming back is like that PI type character could definitely fit in this world. So I'm just hoping for a good balance of like fun, weird, goofy new characters. And then it would be and then like seeing some familiar faces, too. So I think we're going to get that. Um, And I'm excited. I like like we kind of said at the top, I'm definitely not like super, super high on this premiere, especially like when Austin asked the question, like compared to the other ones. But I don't know. I think this one has potential to be different. So I'm looking forward to what they kind of give us week to week. So I'm excited for anything. And then, of course, Benedict Wong coming back in as Wong. They've really kind of gone all in on him as well. He's been popping up in a lot of these movies and projects. And kind of the idea of him being somebody that brings people into the fold is interesting. Like, I don't know if you remember Austin, uh, but at the end of Shang-Chi, he's the one that kind of like shows up and is like, hey, Welcome to the MCU, basically, kind of brings him into the fold and is like, here's what you're getting into. Uh, it'd be cool if he kind of shows up and does the same for She-Hulk. Like, that would be, that would be really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly pretty excited. I didn't love this premiere by any means, but it did enough for me that I'm really looking forward to what they do week to week. So definitely going to be tuning in every time. Yeah, if the structure of this show is a procedural law and order type show. This is kind of the best format for other characters to organically pop up. So if there's a lot more surprises, I, I think maybe by the time we get to the finale, I'll hopefully be feeling better about it. Uh, but where we stand today, I, I'm a little worried about the rest of the show. I'm looking forward to seeing like how she struggles with the fact of being Hulk, um, and like how you know what's going to happen with with her and like her everyday civilian life. You know, if she gets like a, like a car honks at her, is she going to turn into Hulk and all that kind of stuff? It'd be kind of cool to watch her. Uh, struggle with that and it was kind of funny that her her friends i guess her her colleagues in the courtroom were kind of already pressuring her to like to become hulk like just turn into uh turn into your green thing or whatever you do uh so anxious to see what that's about too because it looks like she's going to be like peer pressured into becoming the superhero that she doesn't want to be yeah i'm excited to meet her group of friends too like the fact that one of them knows is already interesting so i think that'll be a fun dynamic and it's just going to be cool to see a character that turns into a She-Hulk that has to, like, go to work every day, try and have a dating life, you know, run errands. Like, I feel like that'll be kind of 
drastically different in a fun way as opposed to what we've watched, you know, Mark Ruffalo's The Hulk do for many years. So I'm excited just to see kind of how you go through your daily life while being a, a big green scary monster is the big green wrecking machine yeah all right well before we close out here of course we have to do our arnie's podcast awards segment this is just where we take something it can be positive can be negative or anything in between it's just something that we think deserves specific praise so austin or keith who's itching to start i'm gonna give the most forced retcon award to this show uh matt thought it was cute i thought it was terrible Learning that just the Hulk was sitting in a, a bar drinking and learning how to merge his two selves with Tony Stark that didn't fit into what we saw him do in Endgame felt very forced to me, very out of place, really took me out of this episode. So this forced retconning award goes to episode one of the She-Hulk. I'm going to give the most obvious sponsorship award, and that goes to Tito's Handmade Vodka in Malibu Rum, because mm. they zoomed in on it on the bar. Well, Keith, as Texas boys, we always want to see some Tito's. Tito's being shown. So. Yeah. I consider it a win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. My award is one that I've wanted to give for a long time. It's one that every time we get together and talk about a movie, TV show, or anything, I've had it written down next to me because I wanted there to be some way I could give this award. But She-Hulk Attorney at Law, whew, I'm excited, but it's the first time I can give it. And that, of course, is the award for Austin's best friend. And it goes to Tim Roth as the abomination. I knew he was going to be <laughs> excited <laughs> to not see him in this episode, but just know that he <laughs> might come later. <laughs> so, <laughs> Austin's best friend, it goes to Tim Roth. I'm glad we've gotten to that, that stage in our relationship, me and Tim Roth, because I did not <laughs> like the Incredible Hulk. So <laughs> the fact that we've grown as people over the last 10 years, we're, we're finally we're good to go. You I'm and I about both it. have grown with, like, with your relationship with Tim Roth and mine with Mark Ruffalo. Lots of growing this episode. Lots of growing. Lots of seeing is actually on screen. It could, just be, it could just be the idea of Tim Roth that I like, but maybe not the actual Tim Roth on screen. Michael Keaton comes in instead. No! We don't need any more Michael Keaton. He's, he's, way, too, he's way too ingrained back into our lives. <laughs> All right. Well, whether it be Michael Keaton, Tim Roth, or... Whoever, they're going to be Austin's best friend. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. I guess we haven't you know, solidified a date yet, but... Now that we've covered the premiere, I'm guessing, you know, at some point down the line, whenever the finale of She-Hulk Attorney at Law airs, we'll have to cover that and return and see if we feel any different. So that'll be exciting. Um, but as for next week, we'll be back on Tuesday to add to our list of our favorite movies. It's been a while. It feels like it's been several months. I'm excited to get back to this. This is our little series where one of us picks just any one of our random all-time favorite movies and we do an episode covering it. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this time it's going to be Keith's turn. Oh, well, shoot. Should I announce it now or later? Do you already have one? Uh, yeah, I think I do have one. Oh, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, so I think on this favorite movies episode, I want to do Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, I've never seen it. This is one of those random kind of recent ones that Keith has always uh, championed. I haven't gotten around to it. Um. I've heard it was great. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. As long as it's better than the Fast and Furious franchise, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's way no better. way. Is it? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, last week, uh, we put out our thoughts on Netflix's The Sandman Show. Matt and I got together to break down everything involved with the dreaming and the kink dreams himself. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that show, be sure to go back on your podcast feeds and check that episode out. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of She-Hulk, attorney at law? Are you as excited to see Tim Roth as Austin is? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. So hope you enjoyed She-Hulk. Hope you enjoyed our episode. We'll be back next week for Ford versus Ferrari. Very excited for that. And yeah, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, see ya. Come on! <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.